Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Are zombies in the Bible? In what may be a familiar story from John chapter 11, we hear the story of Lazarus dying and being resurrected by Jesus. Yet with the lens of Halloween in front of us, is this story what we think it is? What are the risks associated with bringing Lazarus back to life? What does resurrection look like for us today in the here and now? In this message of the week from October 31st, Pastor Jen Tyler shares from John chapter 11 and the story of Lazarus, resurrection, and new life. Here is the First Church message of the week. favorite, but our event this week was so much fun that I thought I couldn't not rewear this costume that I brought to be part of our Scooby-Doo theme. And uh, I thought today as good a day as any other day is a good day to worship God, isn't it? And so sometimes we do that, as Sandy said, in our everyday clothes, and sometimes we do it in costumes. And what really matters is um, what is within our hearts. And so as we talk about that today, I thought we would start by naming uh, that just like I promised last week, I thought today we would stick with the theme of the day of Halloween, and today we're going to talk about zombies, uh, one of the spooky stories in the Bible. Uh, There are a lot of options, I have to say, that I had to choose from as we talk about this story today. Uh, There are, whether you realize it or not, there are lots of spooky stories in the Bible. There are stories of ghosts, and there are stories of giants, and of tricks and treats alike. Uh, Today we're going to talk about one of the many zombies in the Bible. If you don't realize this, there are multiple stories I could have chosen from. Uh, Maybe not zombies like we see in pop culture, right? Those look a little different, but the kind that come back to life from the dead. Now, when I said last week that I was going to talk about zombies today, um, somebody came to me after worship and said, zombies in the Bible, and I thought, oh man, here we go. And instead of the expected response, they were like, but which one? Because I've been making a list and there's a lot. And so I responded and said, well, one that's kind of obvious. And they said, well, Jesus? I said, well, maybe not that obvious. Jesus did come back from life. We celebrate his resurrection. But we're going to talk about someone else that Jesus brought back from life. So today we're going to talk about this story uh, that may be familiar to some of us, the story of Lazarus as told in the Gospel of John. I'm going to read this story from John chapter 11. You're you're welcome to follow along. The scripture is on the screen in front of us. You'll notice with the verses, this is a really long story. So we're going to tell kind of the beginning of it and the end so that we don't have to listen uh, for 20 minutes just to the long story, right? So we're going to start in verse 17 and skip. It says, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, while Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection 
on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, God's son, the one who is coming into the world. Jesus was deeply disturbed again when he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone covered the entrance. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said, Lord, the smell will be awful. He's been dead four days. Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that if you believe you will see God's glory? So they removed the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I say this for the benefit of the crowd standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Having said this, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his feet bound and his hands tied and his face covered with a cloth. Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who come with Mary and saw what Jesus did believe within him. Here ends our reading today. Won't you pray with me? Faithful and loving God, in this time, as we hear your word and gather to worship you, might you open our ears that we might hear you more clearly, open our eyes to see you more clearly, and our hearts to love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So this passage from the Gospel of John in the 11th chapter is a familiar story to many of us. These verses that I read today surround that moment when Jesus first hears that his friend has died And then he goes in the passage in between that we didn't read to see and to be present with those who are grieving as he himself weeps before he finally makes his way to the tomb where Lazarus has been lied and he calls him back to life. Without a doubt in this moment of Jesus bringing Lazarus back to life, this is a miracle. But if we're honest, I can't help but to wonder if this kind of miracle would really, truly be an incredibly welcome one for most of us. After all, I imagine I am not the only one who has ever wished or hoped or prayed for even just one more day with one of our loved ones who has passed away, right? But can you imagine if that actually happened? Like, what if that wish was granted and this person that you love, whose life you are grieving, what if they actually came back to life? Now, you might be braver than I am, but that would really freak me out, right? Anybody else think that that would be really scary to see somebody who who wasn't just dead for like a moment and stopped breathing, but the story tells us in detail, he'd been dead for four days so long that they warned Jesus, don't go close to him, he's going to smell awful. Now, as this happens here... I can't help but to imagine. Now, when I read scripture, I like to picture the story and almost imagine what it would be like to be there. 
So when I read this story and I hear about them going to the tomb and we're told that he is laid in the tomb and I keep talking about him as a zombie, but then they tell us he he walks out in bands of cloth and that sounds a bit more like a mummy to me. I don't know about you, but, uh, but not the kind of zombie or mummy that we see in the movies, right? But when I picture them untying those bands of cloth, I wonder, what are we going to find in there? The, the text has a lot to tell us about this story, about Lazarus and what he looks like when he finally comes out. Uh, he, they, it tells us that the dead man came out, his feet and hands tied, his face covered with a cloth. That's when Jesus says, untie him and let him go. Now, in this moment that Jesus brings Lazarus back to life, I have a lot of questions. Most of these we're not ever going to have answers to. Others, well, some of those answers we know. If we keep reading into chapter 12, we hear what happens to Lazarus after this moment. He comes back to life. He lives in his community. And because of this moment of resurrection, both he and Jesus become enemies of the state because they just can't wrap their heads around it. And we know how Jesus' story ends, right? We know that he has died and then resurrected. But Lazarus' story is much the same. Lazarus also is put to death because of this miracle that he was a part of. Yet as we reflect on the story, we could get into some of those details. But the truth is, in the part that we read today, I am struck by the fact that most of this story, the one about Lazarus coming back to life, it's not actually about Lazarus. I'm intrigued by the fact that it's actually a lot about the people that he would have left behind. People like Martha and Mary and his friend Jesus who weeps for him. In a lot of ways, this story is not about the people who die, but it's about the people who live with death. And the truth is that death, well, the longer we live, the more we have to live with it all around us, don't we? I know that for some of us, we have a lot of death in our life. I know that we have church members whose friends or spouses or family members or even children have had to go before them. Others, maybe not so much. I know that for many of us, those first times that it's someone close to you is the hardest. That was true for me. I remember the first time I had to deal with a significant loss in my life. I was in high school when I got the news that one of my classmates had taken his own life. And as me and my classmates tried to wrap our head around this tragedy and how someone our age could be gone so soon when we were teenagers who were sure that we were all going to live forever, and it made us have, well, a lot of questions to say the least. The young man who died, his name was Josh. He was 17 years old. Uh, He had a family who desperately loved him. He had friends and classmates who wished that we had known what he was going through so we could have been more supportive. He also had an identical twin brother who had to relive that moment of his death every time someone called him the wrong name by mistake. Josh's death shook our whole community. And I remember thinking in that moment about all the questions that we have, especially not just when we're grieving, but when we're angry about it. Like, why? Or God, how could you let this happen? Where were you? I remember asking some of these questions as I sat with my pastor when I was in high school. 
who helped me to understand that sometimes we just don't get to have the answers to those questions, not in ways that we can understand. And in a lot of ways, he helped me to understand that those questions I was asking were not so different than the ones that Jesus was surrounded by in his lifetime. These questions are hundreds and thousands of years old. Even in our text today, Martha asks Jesus when she says, Lord, if you had just been there. Friends, if you have ever said those words, if you have ever wondered how things might have been different if only God had been there, if you have ever wondered if or how life would be different if God had been present in your life in a different way, then this is a story for you. Because this is not just a story about death or new life. It is a story for those of us who have to live with death around us. In our passage today, Jesus responds to Martha. Martha, who says, Lord, if only you had been there. And he says to her, Lazarus will rise again. And of course, she says, I know that he will rise again on the last day. Now, it's important to know when she says this that this was effectively a half-hearted kind of response. Because in Jesus' time, they didn't know or have this hope of resurrection like we do today. This wasn't new particularly either, but it was kind of an ideal or an idea or a belief even, but it wasn't a reality. They've never seen this happen before. There was this belief that something would probably happen in the future eventually, maybe. But hope of resurrection wasn't something closely clung to. Yet Jesus challenges her to believe that more when he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, he asks her? Friends, I wonder what that question and answer would look like for us today. Especially on a day like Halloween, when Jesus says, those who live and believe in him will never die. Friends, do you believe this? I say especially today on a day like Halloween. The day Halloween, the name of it comes from All Hallows' Eve, a day when we get to dress up like characters and we get to play pretend a little and we get to celebrate this day that originated as a celebration of the shadow side of life. Meaning it was a day that we brought out all those dark and scary things that we're so unsure about sometimes, and we bring them into the night to draw them forth to remind us that maybe they're not so scary after all. And it's brought forth on this day in particular because tomorrow is a day that is marked as All Saints Day, a day when we celebrate the people and the saints who have come before us, reminding us of hope and the promises of Jesus and of life everlasting. It is a reminder that even in the darkness of the night, henceforth comes a celebration and hope. And it happens in the evening because it was believed that the day begins not at sunrise like we live today, but at sunset. And so we start with the day with the scary things and end them with the hope and resurrection. 
And so as we reflect on this story and this invitation in a different sort of way, I wonder if we believe in the hope that it represents. I was thinking about this this week and reminded a pastor, preacher, teacher, uh, someone by the name of Barbara Brown Taylor talks about this story and these sentences that Jesus speaks. And she talks about how this story for her isn't about resurrection either, but instead she would say the word or phrase that is the most important passage in this text is actually the word believe. She would focus on this, the verses in front of us here, where the word believe appears four times in these two verses. As Jesus says tomorrow, those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asks. So when Martha says to him, yes, Lord, I believe. Now, Barbara Brown Taylor uses this passage to point out that in the original Greek, because of course scripture wasn't written in English, in the original Greek, there's always a bit of room for translation in how we read these words. And originally, this word can be translated as belief, but it could also be translated as trust. And perhaps for some of us, this passage would read a little different if we read it not just as a belief, but as a kind of trust that we're invited into. So I'm going to read these verses again, but I'm going to substitute these words as Jesus says these words to Martha. He says, those who trust in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and trusts in me will never die. Do you trust this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I trust. Does that feel different to you the way it does to me? Because there's a difference between believing in something and trusting in something, isn't there? The goal of our spiritual lives and of our relationships with God should be to not only believe in God, but to believe God, to trust God. And to trust God in this way, as Martha did, is to have hope, even in the face of death. To be able to face pain or disappointment or heartache, and to know that none of these things get the final word. Because death and resurrection happen not in spite of death, but because of it. We cannot experience resurrection without death, which is why we know that when our own struggles draw near, we can trust in new possibilities that God holds for us, that God is brewing up for us, the ones that we don't yet know about. We can trust God and what God has already done in both life and in death, because we know that Jesus, who has been here, who is here, and who will always be here, is not only with us here, but is with those that we love and we miss and we grieve in our life that is yet to come. For I am the resurrection and the life, he says. I am the resurrection, not I have been, not I will be. I am in the present. And so whether it is under the darkness of the night that is Halloween, with all our costumes and creatures and tricks and treats and hopefully not too many tricks, or whether it is under the darkness of the night that continues to get darker this time of year. I don't know about you, but I hate, well, maybe that's a strong word. I really don't like daylight savings in the fall. 
I don't like that by the time I get home in the evening, it's dark. And I don't love getting up in the dark either, but if I had to choose, maybe I'll just sleep in. Right? I don't love the dark time of year, but it also seems maybe fitting that in this time when we're looking at Halloween and All Saints, we are getting shorter and shorter nights until what happens around the time of winter solstice? Until we are given the greatest gift the world has ever known when we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. In all things, in the darkness and in the light, Jesus says we don't have to be afraid because God is with us and God will be with us just as God has been in the past. God is with us in the present and will be in the future. Which is why wherever we come, whatever baggage or grief or heartache or joy that we come to worship with this day, whatever brought you here, maybe you came because grandma made you or mom made you, or maybe you came because you heard I was going to talk about zombies and that's interesting and weird. Whatever it is that brought you here today, my hope and prayer is that you would hear and know and trust that today is a new opportunity to live into these promises that God wants to give you. To know that we have a God who resurrects us in both literal and figurative ways. We have a God who longs for you to not just believe, but also to trust. And so wherever you are today, may today be a small resurrection day of sorts. A day to claim our own faith as we trust in the great I am and all that God can do in our lives. Because Jesus in this story invites us to something more, to a place that is more, to a life that is more. And so may we give all that holds us back over to God as we seek to trust God today and always. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you know everything about our lives. You know our past, you know our sorrows, you know our joys, you know what our future holds. God, you also know all of who we are and all we long to offer to you. And so as you see what we can't, may you help us this and every day to open our lives up to you. And may you help us to trust in you as you do new things in and through our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.